Well, praise the Lord. Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? I, I'm excited to bring to you a message entitled, Debt, No, Savings, Yes. And uh, a lady said to me, I've, I've not been setting aside money for savings, and I've loaded up a credit card, so thank you, Pastor, for teaching on financial freedom. And I thought about that for a minute, so I asked her, and, and she, by the way, she's okay with me talking about this. Uh, I won't mention any names, but I asked, what are you going to do about your credit card debt? You know, I just pressed the issue just a little bit and said, what are you going to do about your credit card debt? And she replied, I'm going to make the minimum monthly payments until I pay it off. And uh, this week I I got into a, um, a credit card calculator thing I found online And so I did the math on what would happen if we took a $3,000 in-debt credit card and and that we paid the 2% minimum per each month at 18.9%. How long would it take to pay off that $3,000 paying the minimum at 18.9%? And I double-checked this because I couldn't believe it. It would take... 50 years in one month. The immediate thought came to me, I don't think the credit card companies want us to pay them off. Um, That would be to pay back $3,000. That $3,000 would cost $13,258 to pay back. Here's what that means. Ladies, I'll pick on you for a moment. If you took a $100 pair of shoes and you were at your favorite store and they were 50% off, I mean, you got to have them at 50% off. And you bought them at $50 on that credit card and, and you paid the minimum and you got those shoes paid off, that $100 pair of shoes that you now paid $50 for at the cash register, if you paid them off, in the same way that that lady paid off her $3,000 credit card, those shoes, by the time you got them paid off, would cost you $220.95. I'm just trying to keep it real here. Are you all right with me? All right. Do you think this is spiritual? I believe this is a spiritual issue, and that's why I step up here to the platform today to bring you A word that says, debt, no, savings, yes. My dad and I loved to watch, I'm finding dad back there, there he is. My dad and I loved to watch the Rocky movies. We sat down several years ago one night together. We were in a mood. And my dad and I, believe this, this is weird. Dad, I can't even imagine that we did this, but we did. In one night, we watched all the Rocky movies in order a whole night. Now, that's called loving Rocky right there. And I don't know if any of you remember Rocky III with Clubber Lang or not, uh, but you might be thinking right now, what do Rocky movies and today's message, debt, no, savings, yes, have to do with anything? Well, maybe the answer would be a little easier with just a little refresher. Watch this. Uh, 
That was one huge knockout punch. It was hard to watch, wasn't it? How is Clubber Lang and debt related? And I want to stand up here this morning and, and share with you that debt has the power to knock out our hopes and our dreams. Debt has the power to potentially destroy relationship, relationships and literally keep us in bondage for years. This message grabs my heart as a pastor very much because I pastor such an intergenerational church of people who are older, many young families, single adults that are believing God for possibly marriage someday and all that God has for them. I believe with all my heart as a pastor to be faithful that once in a while I need to pull back and preach a message like this because I do believe this is a very spiritual issue in our lives and how we look at debt and how we achieve financial freedom that God has planned for our lives. I believe this message would preach in any culture, in any people group on the earth. Um, you may feel like debt, which we're representing as Clubber Lang this morning, maybe you're here today and you feel like debt has delivered you that punch that we just saw. But let's just say for a moment that instead of mounting up $3,000 in debt, we mounted up $3,000 in savings. And we took that $3,000. Now let's just say this, this is a real example. We took $3,000 and we never added anything to it. I'm not suggesting that that's what we do, but let's just say we got a hold of $3,000, we never added anything to it, and we invested it, put it in a good IRA or a good mutual fund, and, and I'm just going to say for, for, for an example that we were earning an average of 10% in the mutual fund, and we let it grow without touching it for the same period of time as we were paying off that credit card. 50 years in one month, how much do you think that $3,000 would be worth at the end of that time frame? Here's what it would be. I checked it twice to make sure. You know me. That $3,000, if we never added anything to it for 50 years in one month, would be worth $352,173.39. How many are a little shocked about how much that was? Anybody besides me? It's a lot, isn't it? We need to know that debt, the devil's desire for God's people is to destroy us with debt, to destroy people on the earth with debt. Debt can undermine the power of love, can destroy the power of hope, and undermine the power of a dream. Being on the wrong side of the interest equation can wreck our lives. Being on the right side can greatly enhance our lives. The goal today, say, Pastor, what's the goal of this message today? The goal is to get us all on the right side. I know some of you are, many of you are. Many of you understand these processes. 
I, I had people come up to me last week and said, Pastor, I've been applying these things, but thanks for preaching it again. A tune-up once in a while don't hurt a bit. I had some older people come up to me and say, Thank you, Pastor. My grandkids were here today. Oh, if they will take this message to heart, what it could mean for their future. I had some young men, four of them, come up after the second service at 21, 22 years old, and I had a moment with them, and they began to think, wow, what if we begin to apply these things to our lives, our lives when we're in our early 20s and not wait till we're 30, 40, or 50? And they were shaking their head, and mom was behind them, and they couldn't see her, and she was going, come on, pastor, give it to them, yeah. And so the goal today is to get us on the right side of the interest equation and see the wrong side of the interest equation for, can I say, for the monster that it is. To build a case for the message, we go to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20. Can we read this together on the screen, please, everybody? Let's do it. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Last week, we went to the Word of God, and we put together a freedom plan. Does anybody remember what the freedom plan was called? 10, 10, 80. There you go. If we read the Bible from cover to cover, we would find that the Bible has a very dim view of debt. It uses strong cautionary terms whenever debt is mentioned, and it teaches us to become savers. Now, in your outline that you were handed when you came in today, the Bible says no to debt because, number one, debt enslaves a person to the creditor. Proverbs 22, 7, the borrower becomes the lender's slave. This is so true. Every time we sign up for debt, we give a slice of our freedom to the creditor. Now, somebody would say to me, Pastor, is all debt frowned upon in Scripture? Is all debt frowned upon? And as I look through the Scripture, here's what I believe as I look through the Bible. Now, I'm not asking the credit card companies. I'm not, and God bless you if you're a banker here today, I'm not even asking the banker. I'm asking the Word of God. How many believe the Word of God is true? Every page? Oh, except one that we don't like once in a while. We rip that one out. Most of these pages are true, right? Is every page true? As I read through the Word of God, I have to tell you, the answer is debt frowned upon in Scripture? The answer is pretty much yes. Yes. Some, some Christian financial advisors would say that in normal economic times, what's normal? The only acceptable debt is for an appreciating asset as long as you're never upside down. That's what some Christian financial advisors would say. 
A re- that means something like this. A reasonable mortgage on a home or maybe a well-thought-through business loan that provides you with some working capital to start a business. My grandpa, who, who didn't have a very close relationship with the Lord much of his early life, taught me, his grandson, in front of my dad, and my dad echoed grandpa's sentiment, He said to me when we were starting our Living Light Singers and we were traveling and struggling financially, he told me, son, live by principle. If you can do without it to keep from going in debt, do without it. He said, my practice has been the only thing I would ever borrow money for is for an appreciating asset like a home and that had to be at a good value and something that I could afford that fit well within my framework and budget and earning potential. And he said the only other thing that I would borrow money for is two things, for my business, for working capital so I could make money to earn for my family and that needed to be well thought out and thought through. And he said, third, if I I had to borrow money to feed my babies, I may consider doing that. Now, that's what Grandpa's old-fashioned wisdom was for his grandson as he set me down at the dining room table, and I was a boy out of high school trying to find my way, and he talked to those things about me many times. And I would say, yeah, but, and he'd say, no, but. Listen, son, and he helped me. Pretty much all other debt should be avoided. Here's, here's, here's how I could put it. Avoided like the plague. Number two, debt obligates a person to earning pressures. When we're in debt, we're forced to earn money consistently or we're in trouble. When we're deep in debt, any little ripple of disruption to our earnings is life-threatening. God did not design you and I to live that way. Now, I know... We don't consider that sometimes because of how easy it is to borrow. Third, debt undermines joy. How do we enjoy dinner out a weekend away or a vacation when we're neck deep in debt? Pastor, that's easy. Stick our head in the sand and enjoy it. Every purchase we make, every gift we buy, every dollar we spend on something other than debt retirement gives a little painful stab. Number four, debt erodes giving opportunities. When we're truly followers of Christ, God puts in our heart compassion to help those in need. There are many people who have such a wonderful compassion to help out a friend, a family member, their church, but they're deep in debt, their pocketbook is empty. Number five, debt unmasked character flaws. This one's hard for me to talk about. Listen, I'm okay with your silence to this message because I know that you're loving me deeply while you're being silent. I know you're appreciating this message and you're thrilled that I'm sharing it. And I know that inside there are roars of amens and hallelujah chorus going on. I got to tell you, before I dive into this one, this one's tough. Debt unmasked character flaws. Please know that there are other things I could be talking about this morning, but I really 
as I've prayed about this, have felt directed to the Lord to share these things. I'm not saying I'm 100% right on every issue, but I'm going to put it out there with the help of the Lord. And uh, could I encourage somebody, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, instead of trying to pick me apart, because that's what we do when we hear something we don't like, is we try to pick the uh, person apart, find my flaws, because it makes it easier to justify our actions, because that's what we all have to do is justify our actions. That's how we live with ourselves. But instead of doing that, maybe say, um, maybe there's something in here for me. Maybe there's a change of heart, and maybe I can't get there in a day, but if I could hear some truth that will help me and I begin to make good decisions, this thing will, God has the ability. See, we serve a God that can redeem, who can restore. We serve a God. Now, don't go get in a big mess and say, well, I serve a redeeming, restoring God. Hallelujah. That's turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's, that's a mess. That's a disaster. But I want you to know, if you haven't been taught this, you haven't been raised this way. You haven't, been, you haven't been challenged. And now the word of the Lord comes to you and the lights begin to come on and you understand, wow, I've been following suit with ways that are not of God and God speaks to your heart. Thank God for that. Embrace it. And then begin to walk it out. And God will be with you. And God has the ability to get involved in your finances when we honor him and accomplish things in your life that you can't accomplish on your own. So when I say debt unmasked character flaws, I want you to know that I do understand that some debt is caused by an accident or an emergency. But most likely, not most debt. Most people have consumer debt because they simply buy too much. Come on. We buy too much. When someone is deep in debt, sooner or later they'll have to look in the mirror and say, how did I get here? For most of us, the answer is a lack of character. Debt is a symptom of a deeper problem, and the deeper problems in our lives are usually character-related. What are some character flaws that may need to get unmasked in our lives, in our individual lives, in our marriages, in our families? Folks, if the devil has his way, this will become a generational issue in your family. And someone, dad, mom, somebody has to step up. And some of you, it's going to be today and say, I'm going to proclaim no to debt in my life. So what is it? What are some of the things that need to be unmasked? Number one, a lack of contentment. Some have never mastered the discipline of contentment. To be able to say, what I have is enough. I don't need that 
to be content. I can't buy happiness. There is nothing this world has to offer out here that's going to make me have the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is my strength. He is my peace. He is my everything. Folks, no matter how rich or poor, this thing, this thing gets a hold of everybody. If we don't get squared away in our character on this issue, if we don't learn contentment, we're destined to a life of indebtedness and bondage if you're a multimillionaire. Two, lack of patience. Some have a problem with patience. We don't want to work our 10-10-80 plan and wait a couple of years and, and then get something we need when we can afford it. We want it now. And we even buy into this idea sometimes that we deserve it now. Third, lack of trust. Others lack trust in God's goodness. We can know that God is going to be as gracious to us in our future as he's been in our past. Let's allow God to give to us according to his timeline. If we run ahead of him and say, no, I've got to have it now, the truth is we may pay dearly. What is the definition of debt? What is, what is debt? It's going ahead of our lives. Here's what it is. Here's debt. It's robbing our future for our present. It's going ahead and taking something you don't have and pulling your future into your now. There's a huge cost to that. It's usually not worth it and it usually brings much more pain than satisfaction. It's a lie. When we buy things without debt, we'll experience the joy of God giving to us good gifts over time in his time. Number four, lack of self-discipline. Here's what I say to that. We just lack no power. We lack the ability to say no To say to ourselves, self, I've got a plan, and I'm sticking to it. No. Get thee behind me, new car. <laughs> we need a new car sometimes. Don't miss the point. All right, number six. Debt jeopardizes a Christian's witness. Jeopardize means to put at risk. One of the quickest ways to alienate someone who's investigating Christianity is for a Christ follower to fail to pay their bills. One of our goals is to be men and women of our word, so we'll never be a stumbling block to anyone because we always honor our financial commitments. 
All right, what does it take to get out of debt? Here's some practical things for all of us. What does it take to get out of debt? This is for anybody here today. Number one, it begins with what I believe is called a decision. Every significant achievement or event in your life came as a result of a decision. College, the person that you married, your job, the salvation of your soul, significant events require a decision. It's the same with getting out of debt, folks. You say, well, I don't know how I could ever get out of debt. Well, at some point, you have to make a decision and say, by the grace of God, we're getting out of debt. God's going to give us a plan. He's going to give us the power to stick to the plan. And today is the poorest I will ever be. Because I'm going to start moving in the right direction. Today, I'm making a decision to change a lifelong pattern, a generational pattern. Today, things change in my life, in my home, by the grace of God. With God's help and his plan, we're walking towards financial freedom. Number two, a plan. The first step in a good plan toward freedom is no more added debt. Now, if you want to move towards being debt-free, I would suggest beginning today not adding more debt. I was in an airport some time ago and thought I had to go down to get where I needed to go, so I got on this long escalator going down and found out about a third of the way down this long, I mean several stories, that I was going the wrong way. But you know what I had to do? I had to go all the way to the bottom before going up again. Now, I want to I tell you that the only way we're going to get up to financial freedom is to get off that downward escalator and say, no more debt. I'm finished with debt. We also need to identify what caused our debt. In other words, what are we easy targets for? I, I don't know. What are you an easy target for? Is it those flyers that come in the mail? Is it those coupons that come in the mail? Is it those things where you pull back to see how much percentage you're going to get off at your next visit? What is it? Could I tell you what I suggest you do with those flyers in the mail if it's a problem for you? Take them out of the um, mail slot, the mailbox, and take them out of the mailbox, keep your eyes closed, and stumble your way to the trash can and put them in the trash can and walk away. Just a thought. Many of us know that we'll never be free unless we go home and cut up those credit cards. You know what I believe? I believe somebody here today is going to go home and have a little party. Get some credit cards out. Start whacking those things cutting them up. 
and there's going to be a spirit of freedom begin to come into your home. Get on a payment plan. Attack what causes debt. Live by the 10-10-80 budget plan. Number three, an accountability partner. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says two are better than one. Whenever somebody's there cheering us on and helping us out, it's much easier to achieve our objective. Link up with someone when those days come and you need encouragement. Call them and say, help me say no. I'm being really tempted because this thing looks really nice and I've always... It's amazing when we want something how we come up with these big terms. I've always wanted that. I've thought about that every day for years. No, you haven't. You're selling yourself. Number four is time. Now, I'm sad to talk about this one for a moment, but I have to. I would suggest that most everyone here probably knows what it is to make a very fast decision, sign the dotted line. I'm telling you folks, we live in a culture where you can get in debt in a second. You can make a decision in a moment and you have to live by that decision for years. That one second decision has set back people for years. It may take some time to get out of the mess that you're in, but I want you to know God will walk with you. Remember the woman with $3,000 on the credit card? At minimum monthly payments, it's going to take her 50 years and a month to pay that off. But if she were to pay just a little bit more than the minimum of 2%, let's say that she decided... I'm going to pay 5% every month instead of the minimum of 2% of the balance each month. It would now, instead of take her 50 years in a month, it would only take her 10 years to pay off that debt, and she would save $8,997.61 in interest. Figure out a repayment plan. Suck it up. Put as much as you can into it. It's worth it when we get to that place where we're debt-free because God wants us free. Now, the Bible says yes to savings because, number one in your outline, savings makes a person feel wise and free. Sometimes when I'm driving on the highway, I watch people go by me at 85 or 90 miles per hour. (laughs) Kathy always says something about it. And I'm a Christian, so speeding should not be an option for me. And I'm just driving at the speed limit, feeling like a chump. (laughs) And I got my cruise on at 70, because we're 70 now. And man, these people fly by me sometimes. The other day, somebody just flew by me, having a great time, excited. You could tell the music was moving. Their head was just... Honest to God, 10 miles up the road, lights are flashing. I just cruise by feeling like a chump. (laughs) 
feeling wise and free. I want, to, I want to bring that home to you for a minute. Some folks are dashing by Kathy and me with an accumulation of stuff. Uh, stuff is fine if, if it don't have you. Some people are cruising by at 85 mile an hour with an accumulation of stuff that they cannot truly afford. They have nicer this, nicer that, nicer over here. There are a lot of people probably dashing by you on their highway to indebtedness. But what you don't know while you see all their stuff and you want to have what they have if we're not careful with that is they have collection agency calls, overdraft notices, car repos, and foreclosure notices. Being wise and free is a better way to go. I hope that you understand I am not trying to make anybody, I'm not trying to beat anybody up who has been through disastrous times. I love you. I'm preaching this message because I want today to be the beginning of your freedom from debt. Number two, saving frees a person from earning pressure. I met a guy who lost his job because the company was doing some downsizing and I asked how he was doing and he replied, Pastor, I'm doing fine. My wife and I had set aside six months salary and we have lots of, lots of savings. So I'm out interviewing and I know that God will provide. Number three, saving enhances joy. Hey, let me tell you, because I've been exactly where I'm, the example I'm going to give you. If you're watching the Super Bowl on a little TV that's paid for and laying on an old couch that's got a spring about ready to pop and wearing clothes that are a little bit worn, but you own them, you're likely to enjoy the game because your finances are in order. But if you're lying on a couch that's not paid for with clothes on credit cards and watching a TV that we don't know if we're going to have next month, enjoyment is hard. Number four, saving makes people capable of responding to giving opportunities. So many of you here are doing such a good job with money management that when you see a need with something that God has put on your heart here at Calvary, you're capable of responding. It breaks my heart to know that some of you, God has done such a tremendous work in your heart that when you see an opportunity, your heart just cries out to give, to help, to be a part of God things. But debt has held you. And, and for some of you, the cares of this world mean more to you than the value that we should be placing on the ability to help and reach out and help hurting people and minister to hearts and lives. We value sometimes things so much we don't even have the right value set on the right things. Someday when we get to heaven, so many of you have got this figured out. God has helped you. Only by the grace of God, you have become debt-free. God has helped you to be faithful. Be, be sure to give God all the glory. 
And some of you are here, many of you are here today. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you, some of you, when you get to heaven someday, here's what we don't realize here on earth sometimes. Some of you, when you get to heaven someday, there's going to be a little third, a little kid from a third world country find you in heaven, track you down and say, you don't know me, mister, but you helped feed me and my sister on the earth. And I learned about Jesus, and the Lord saved me, and I'm in heaven today, and my sister's in heaven because you helped me, and you didn't even know who I was. I had clean clothes because of you. It will be a great feeling, and because you had some savings, you had an opportunity to give. Number five, saving strengthens character. If you have savings, you feel strong in character. This is not pride or arrogance, but just an assurance about being on a freedom plan. I talked with someone in our church last week who told me he makes $52,000 a year. His wife is home with their two kids, and they currently have $23,000 in their savings account, and they're a young family. He told me, we simply put money away from every paycheck, and here's what we don't do with it when we put it away. We don't spend it. That's character. Number six, saving provides a powerful witness. People who are investigating Christianity have laser-like vision when it comes to figuring out if those who claim to be Christians walk their talk. Now, what does it take to become a, save, a saver? Number one, a decision. Again, starts with a decision. We simply have to drive a stake into the ground and say, on this day, I resolve to set aside a portion of my earnings towards savings no matter what. Number two, a plan. Use the 10-10-80 plan or a variation of it, but get the plan working so it just happens automatically month after month. I've had people who've asked me to see about getting a reoccurring way to transfer their giving directly from their checking account to their church account each week or month. We've decided to work on that and put a plan together and we'll let you know. Maybe we should do our savings the same way. That's what Kathy and I decided to do many years ago when our payroll company at Calvary allows us to put part of our check into various places automatically and we don't even see it. We have so much that goes directly into savings. It's not there. It's going into our future. When we give, it's automatic. You know, when you get into automatic things like that, and it's not even there, you learn how to live off the rest. Number three, an accountability partner. Again, two is better than one. You need somebody cheering you on. If you need somebody cheering you on, start cheering them on. Time, number four. Most of us cannot build nest eggs overnight, but with interest as an ally, time works wonders. Hey, what would happen if you could eke out $1 a day and save $1 a day? Eh, nothing. That wouldn't do nothing. That wouldn't even work against inflation. What if you could just save $1? Say you're not saving at all. So far in your life, you've figured out a way to go in debt a little deeper each year. What if you saved a dollar a day and you put it in an IRA or mutual fund for 30 years? At $1 a day, 
One, that's, that's probably a half a cup of coffee. I thought that was funny. In 30 years at a dollar a day, you'd have $67,700 at a dollar a day. Folks, this can't be done. With $200 a month, in 30 years, you'd have $434,264.16. When we get on the right side of the interest equation, we get savings working for us. So now it's decision time. Enough talk. If you're comfortable with this, I'm going to encourage you right now to take your outline. If you got your pen and you got your outline, and some of you may be thinking, I don't need this. I'll do it tomorrow, next month, next year, or I've already got this figured out. You know, when I'm off my diet for a while, how badly do I want to step on the scale? Not too bad. But walking towards freedom begins with a decision. I'd like for you to ask, I'd like to ask you to sign your name on your outline, and, and you don't have to, it's up to you. Sign your name and put beside your name if you want to. Just write, I'm done with debt. I'm done with debt. I say yes to savings. I'm done with debt. I say yes to savings. You may want to write that in some other places, like in your checkbook. So when you open it up, you see it right away. Your refrigerator. Some of you need to write it on your dashboard of your car. Some of you need to have it just ahead of your cash inside your wallet, where it just aggravates you every time you get your wallet out. Now, we saw earlier how clubber laying and debt are related, so how is what we've been learning in this series, Achieving Financial Freedom and Rocky Balboa, related? I want you guys to deliver a knockout blow to debt in your life. My heart hurts right now because there may be some of you thinking, Pastor, I have known this and I've just never made a decision to get off this train going the wrong direction and stop. And now years have gone by. And um, bad habits have been made and I hear you, but it just tears me up because I've got so much bad in my past and habits. And now I know it's affecting my family and my children. And this message, Pastor, though you mean it to be encouraging, hurts me. I just want to pray for you right now. We serve an awesome God, you guys. God loves you right where you are. God loves you. Listen, okay, look at me for a minute. God loves you right now. Wherever you are on this journey. 
His great, the Bible says his grace is sufficient for us. His grace is sufficient. He loves you. I would suggest if you're deep in debt and you know there's a lot of it that there's no need, get on your knees or posture yourself before God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. And with your help, I'm going to begin to move in another direction. I'm not going to allow the devil to discourage me on this. I've got a hole to dig out of, but God, you're going to help me. And you're going to go forward. And your children and your children's children are going to walk a different life. In the name of the Lord, I declare it. We're going to be the people that God comes for. So Lord, I thank you that this message would be received with all the love and care intended. And Lord, this message would literally change the generations until you come. And that we would be free to serve the Lord, to give, to have the things that matter the most near and dear to our heart. I bless the people of God and I thank you for givers today. And I thank you for those that have their, in their heart to give. And now we're going to create a freedom plan to be great givers. We bless each one now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed, everybody.